The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are live in the beautiful Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined in the studio for, what, a third consecutive Tuesday by both David Walker and Nada Edwards from WFNZ and the Mike Check Podcast. Gentlemen, talk at the same time, quick. It's the, I'm good on that. <laughs> we did it. How you guys doing? Hey, David, how are you? I'm good. Good to be back. How the are you feeling? Man. Are you okay? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's tough. I, uh, you know, if you listen to the Hive O'Clock Alarm, you would notice that my nasal passages were on fire last week. We were, I think, uh, along with the team, we were kind of limping They're getting the game better. Seven. They're getting better. Yeah. We're all, we're all running on fumes right now, but it's good to be here. Nada, how are you doing? I am tired, but you know what? I'm here, and you know, I, I enjoy being here right now. Why? Because I hang out with my two favorite Hornets fans. Oh, golly. A reminder, do uh, you can <laughs> group hug after the show. Group hug after the show. By, by the way, our followers on Twitter dipped immediately after they lost Game 7. I think it was started, it dipped like 10 Dude, or, or, or 12 followers. Well, no, listen, this is always – I've always said this show has been – an exclusive club of hardcore Hornets fans, and that's who we cater to. Uh, but it was just funny because it was the sort of Twitter version of, hey, where are you guys going? Like, was this in the third quarter? Where's everybody or going? Was this, did they wait <laughs> until? Immediate. Because I started thinking of alternatives during that third quarter run. Like, okay, now what are we going to do? It was immediate. It was all It was all of the sex bots. Those are those are gone now. The Twitters, <laughs> oh, 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 they came over to me. That's where they came. <laughs> A reminder, you can check us out one more Sunday, at least for this season, at uh, 8 o'clock a.m. on Good Day Charlotte. We'll be on this Sunday doing a season recap there on Fox 46. If you're local, fox46charlotte.com for a live stream. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast application and get these shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice so we're going next tuesday here's the schedule next tuesday we're going to do a full season recap i, I hopefully not a can join and we want to talk to adi joseph and dustin pfeiffer and uh justin thomas will be here in studio as well so the big hitters we want to get yeah we want to get all the major guests in here and talk to them about uh just what made what made this season uh so special for uh hardcore hornets fans so that'll happen next Tuesday, and then we're basically going to be on spot coverage until draft time when we will come on for our pre-draft special a week before the draft, and then, of course, the way we kick off every new season, uh, live draft coverage up until the Hornets make their pick, and then we'll give the analysis on that pick. Oh, God, what time will that be? It's going to be tough. But, <laughs> That's going to um, be a 10 o'clock show. Well, listen, <laughs> this is what we do. It's tradition. You can't... You can't stop tradition. All right, and uh, because we're not mad, we're just disappointed. Let's swarm Charlotte's. So we're doing the season recap next Tuesday. This show will mainly focus on just this series and then the exit interviews. That's what's coming up. We'll talk a little bit about what the players and Coach Clifford had to say after uh, the the aftermath of Game 7. Hornets lose that game 106-73. The series ends for the Charlotte Hornets like it began, getting smoked in Miami. David, we will begin with you. I have a simple question. What the hell happened? Uh, you know, I think they lost two games when they lost game six, in my personal opinion. I uh, didn't think they reacted, not that they could react well, to, to losing game six at home, a potential clincher. But just to hear those guys talk after the game and knowing the effort that was put forth to win the previous game in Miami, and not saying they went down there and didn't try or didn't give their all, I just thought that once Miami hit them with a couple of shots, and especially in that third quarter, th- there was no coming back from that. They didn't show up. Kem- when Kemba gets driven by by Goran Dragic for the first time in six games, you might have a teeny tiny bit of an issue. And unfortunately, 
everybody was gasped at that point. You had Kemba Walker, who clearly was gassed. Marvin Williams, as we found out later, yeah. playing hurt. You also had just everybody. And Cody was playing hurt. He was. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he got like minor MCL stuff done. Spencer was never going to be in play, and we should have seen that. That was a ruse because Tyler wasn't going to be available due to back spasms. I mean, when game six was over, and unfortunately you had a whole bunch of folks no-show that game, it, it was kind of academic at that point. Even if I threw out the stat that I really regret doing now of game of Wade not winning a series without LeBron or uh Shaq, he's only done it once. He's only gotten out of this he's only gotten the first out of the first round once, and that was the crazy part to it. You and Purple Shard guy. Don't you dare put me with that jackass. If you had six minutes in the office pool, (laughs) you win. Uh, don't, no, no! Don't put me with him. <laughs> don't put me with listen, him. Listen, you you inspired Dwight. Listen, you you have a responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility, and you uh, did the Hornets pregame show. That's a lot of power. Yes, and you know what? Chris Kroger went zero and two. I went three and two. So you know what? Y'all can't blame me for this. Well, I was prepared for at least one Dwayne Wade three pointer during this series because it was it was it was pubbed every time he he hit the screen that he hadn't hit one since December, right? So you knew it was coming. I was like, oh, there's the one. Oh, 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 there's another one. Oh, 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 there's a there's a, a step back fader with Courtney Lee draped all over. I mean, and then in game guy, seven, and then in game seven, Goran Dragic. Yeah. did uh, a lot of what we saw in games one and two. I, I don't know if fatigue was necessarily an issue more than the the injuries and just nagging injuries that, you, you know, with this team that doesn't have a go-to superstar who you can throw the ball into on offense or, or a lockdown defender like MKG, I think everybody has to be not only near 100%, but then they have to be giving 100%. And I think after game six, a little bit of the belief that oh, yeah. that Clifford has been talking about it, that the guys have been talking about all year, I think that started to chip away a little bit. And when you have Dwayne Wade and Joe Johnson on the other side, those guys are ready to eat. They're ready to uh, pounce. They have experience and, and they know how to put a team down when they start to, when the belief starts to slip a little bit. And that's you know, I know it's not a great answer, guys, but to, to people who wonder what happened, but it's kind of that's playoff basketball in my mind. That's like, the best it, way to explain it, honestly. Yeah. Winning a seven game series is extremely difficult, and especially, especially in the first like round. That. Yeah. Especially a team like that. And that's what's the crazy part. We always talked, you always heard from necessarily the Hornets brass that we want these guys to get playoff experience, and that would matter more than necessarily another draft pick. Well, they got that playoff experience. This wasn't a sweep. This wasn't, we're going to try as hard as we can, and we only stay within 10. No, this was, you took probably an Eastern Conference Finals team to the brink, and they came back and they responded like a team full of veterans did. 200-something playoff games was on that Miami Heat roster. The fact that they took them to seven despite everything that went wrong for the Charlotte Hornets. That's playoff experience. That's something you can bank on and take going forward. This is nothing to be ashamed about. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, these guys were in an elimination game on their home court against the bullies on the block, as we've talked about before in the Miami Heat. None of those guys have ever been through that in in that scenario. So, I mean, that's going to be something they can take. They just didn't know how to capitalize on it. And Dwayne Wade came in here and said, you know, I'm not going to let this team, I'm going to carry this team no matter what. And you got all you could out of Kimba, which was fantastic to see, and everyone else picked the worst night to just not show up. Yeah, exactly. They had a bad night to have a bad night. But we need to ask one question. Can we leave Kemba alone? Can we stop blaming him? I doubt it. For, for the, <laughs> he, he probably learned the most, I think. Yes. I, I think he learned the most about what it takes to win a playoff game and what it takes to win a playoff series. And I think what you hope he takes away from this and what he works on in the summer is to find a way to impact the game when the other team's defense is specifically keying on him. And certainly Nick Batum's injury hurt that and the fact that the Hornets don't really have a third 
offensive weapon that can draw attention. They tried to get Al Jefferson in there, but he obviously still trying to get back his conditioning and endurance. There just wasn't another guy to take attention away from Kemba, and it made it hard for him to operate efficiently on offense. He was attempting uh, 21 field goals per game, 36% from the field, 32% from beyond the arc in this series, and we've talked extensively about what Miami did to take away that three-point shot. He did get five free throws per game and was shooting that at over 90%, but you know, it's tough because when you're Kemba, because of your stature, you're not going to be able to physically find a way to dominate like we've seen LeBron James if do they so want to, many If times. they want to body you, if they want to body Kemba and take him out, force yeah. him way out, they can do it. So he has to find a way yeah. to, to, to impact a game. And the Hornets, I think their offseason will be focused on getting even more weapons to surround Kemba so that all that attention can't be piled on to him in a seven-game series. You, you really just wanted a shot maker out there, just one more shot maker. And not like these guys aren't able to make shots. Uh, they can be streaky at times, but that's not. I mean, that's Nick Batum's not a, a shot, not a Joe Johnson shot maker, right? No, he's not. I wouldn't call him a Joe Johnson shot maker. But the one thing that I did come away from with, about Nick Batum, and this says more about bringing him back, that game one told me a lot about him. Oh, he's ready because to go. he could have packed it in and said, "Look, this is not our night." What he ended up doing. Scoring, I forgot how many points. It was 21 points, and he was the primary offensive guy in game one of this series. That told me a lot about him in terms of, yes, he can carry you for stretches. Yeah. The only issue that you might have had was that he wasn't distributing. But the other thing that I think I came away with from this series is that you need a rebounder. This team <laughs> needs a rebounder badly. The idea that you're going to have these big seal necessarily and have all the guards clean it up, and that way you have guards with gaudy rebound numbers, like a, a Kevin Walker, like a Marvin sometimes, you're going to need a guy like a Chris Humphreys or maybe a Terrence Jones, someone along the lines of that necessarily, to where you can at least grab the rebound and you're not relying on your guards to go in there and possibly get your head taken off. Yeah, and I think it sort of throws some of these Dwight Howard rumors into the limelight, and and certainly there are reasons that that fans have that they don't want a guy like Dwight Howard in Charlotte. But hey, you look at it, premier rebounder, yeah, and keeping a guy like Whiteside at least I don't know arms length arms length from the rim. I mean, he didn't have to work super. He didn't have to reach very far for a lot of those rebounds, especially in Game 7. The one thing I would say about Dwight and all of these, he's a coach killer, he's a cancer to the locker room. Go look at what Kevin McHale said after he got fired. Kevin McHale, on the way out, was saying Dwight was the only guy willing to fight for him. That tells me a lot more about what happened this season with the Rockets than anything else. And if we're going to start blaming people... Dwight Howard's not the first guy I'm blaming. So let's let's slow down. Let's ease up on the no Dwight train. I think I, I think we're with you. I think I, I know I am at least I was thinking it <laughs> through the third and fourth quarter there. Hey, this would be kind of a nice fit to have someone down there who's athletic and can hold Hassan Whiteside out. And I think you have to look at the last two places he was, right? Houston with James Harden, LA with Kobe. You know, not the most it's welcoming of guys. I mean, well, and, 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 those, and, and, hey, those pers- and, well, and Dwight's not perfect. You're right. I mean, he's got his issues. He's got his personality things. You have to look no further than Jeremy Lin, who was in both of those previous places right. and had issues with both of those superstars and came to Charlotte and fit in and played a great uh, style of basketball and, and revived his career somewhat. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that you have to look forward to is that guys are going to want to play here. Because Coach Cliff will get you paid. Let's not forget about that. Jeremy Lin made himself a lot of money this year, this just off of the season. You also have a guy like Marvin Williams that's looking to get a really, really, really nice payday. Hey, get back to McRoberts. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you have got, yeah. you have examples of guys that are getting that are getting paid. Hey, look at CDR. CDR played what 20, 25 games, got himself a mid level deal. After making not that much here in Charlotte, there's guys that Coach Cliff will get paid if you can play the right way for him. 
Yeah, and the last thing I would say on that through this, and I'm sure we can break down this Dwight thing as we get into free agency and stuff. But the only way that, well, not the only way, but I would be on board for it if they if they went after him, you would know that Clifford gave the sign off, right? And yeah. to me, that is the most important thing because he's with him in Orlando, he's with him in LA, you know, so they can bring him here. We've seen how chemistry can be disrupted last year when you bring in a guy like Lance and how it matters this year when you have a group that really enjoys playing each other. So that's delicate. You got to be careful about it. But I think if you approach it the right way, handle him the right way, have a guy like Clifford who is okay with doing it, it can work. Um, there's, the, the you can mar- examine it out to, you know. And the market Wazoo. on Dwight is going to be very interesting. Does it end up being a max market, which would look somewhere in the 25 to 27 million, or it could be as low as, you know, 16, 17 million, depending he get on. any less than 20. He will not get less than 20 on this market. I would probably venture to guess three year deal. Which, if you're the Hornets and he said, but if you're Dwight, you may want a one year deal similar or one year with player options similar to what Lynn did, because the cap's going up. It's going to be around ninety two million next year. Could be upwards of one hundred and eight million the next year after that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're Dwight, you could you could theoretically take a one year deal. The one the one caveat that I would throw in there, and I hate throwing a monkey wrench in this one, is that. You're going to have the NBA owners most likely opt out of said labor deal. Mm. So before we start looking at, yes, we may have up to $108 million to play with, probably more because I think it's a mild projection. It may be as high as 112 as far as I'm concerned. But if the NBA owners do opt out of it, then there's going to be nobody with any money. And for all these guys that are going to be out here on the free agent market this season, this is their last chance to guarantee that they at least get paid before the new CBA and there's some more cost control, most likely coming down the pike. So I wouldn't necessarily say people are going to be willing to do a one-year deal necessarily. I think he has a look at it, though, right? I mean, people have a very strong opinion of Dwight Howard. He can still play. He can still be a guy in this league. He can still be a defensive starting center for you. If nothing else, and I think he can bring more than that to the table, but you have to look at it, especially, I mean, look at look at the rebounding and look at everything that went through Game 7, right? Yeah, look you you got to look at it. For everyone that says you don't need Dwight, go look at the points in the paint. And yes, the Hornets dominated points in the paint for at least three, maybe four of the seven games. But the rebounding numbers are what really shock you. They, well, the points in the paint for the Hornets were mainly guards, Kimba guards, and Lynn yeah. getting into the lane. There were there weren't a lot of putbacks. Those kind of there weren't very many offensive rebounds. There's there are a lot of issues with the forwards that we didn't see creep up until the postseason started, and that's what would make me worry as a Hornets fan. Let's talk about the other guy, Nick Batum, who could uh, get a max deal by Charlotte or from another team. How much of a factor? Was Batum's injury in this series? Was it the factor? Is it like one of the number one things you say? Okay, Charlotte lost because they didn't have Nick Batum. One B, one B. I think the one thing I keep wondering as in terms of this series is what if MKG was healthy? That is the biggest <sighs> thing I come away with. Is what if MKG is healthy? Do they win the series in six? Because well, that's a big chaos theory because they don't that have because Cor- they don't have Courtney Lee. Yeah. Well, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that. They, I mean, they, Joe said they got Courtney Lee because MKG. They got on the phone immediately when when MKG went down. I w- but I do think they would have called about Courtney Lee regardless. I think PJ was on his way out. I think it, PJ was <laughs> on his way out. Period. Because think about it. <laughs> Poor PJ. You, and, and I like PJ Harrison. I think he might be decent down the line as he matures. The funny thing about it is you start talk you start talking about you start hearing coach Clifford talk and he starts bringing up the fact that they're allowed to stay in Miami consecutive days whereas in the original when they had the home and home series I believe they would come down they would come down early as like a heat game in Charlotte and then they would stay in Charlotte and then fly down the day off why would you do that without if it wasn't for PJ Harrison, the fact that you couldn't trust him at that point. <laughs> that's a bold, that's oh, a bold man. statement. Um, yeah, I think Nick Batum's injury I, 
changed a lot of things in this series because, again, we talk about the spacing that it would have allowed for Kimball Walker and just Nick Batum's shot-making ability that we got a little glimmer of in Game 6. Couldn't get that again in Game 7. Yeah, would the adjustments have been made, though, if he hadn't gone down? You know, would the adjustments coming back home, would the same ones have been made? Probably not, right? No, I think it. what I think... Something, but I, you know... What I think would have happened was Marvin would have gone to the bench. Just because mm. that way it would have protected that elbow. Maybe. So many weird, so many little, and some we knew about, some we didn't quite know about. That's a lot Williams. for Marvin. I mean, it makes me feel a little bit better, to be honest with you, because he could not hit the broad side of a barn. Exactly. He had that, what, one, he had game three where he showed up. I think it was game three and game four, and then you didn't hear anything else from him for the rest of the series. And that's what bugs me. But Nick Batum getting hurt really does make me wonder what would have happened in game six if he were healthy, if he didn't have to leave after halftime. It really makes me wonder yeah, what would that's happen. true. That's true. That 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 game was there for the taking. They just could not. I felt like if they could get it tied, get a one point lead, you they know, get it tied, late, they win that game. I think they win. But you know, you look back at Marvin, and we've talked about it all year. They asked him to basically be their MKG light as mm-hmm. far as hitting the boards, playing defense, being just that, being physical. Being physical. I mean that, that 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 wears on on him. And he played what? He missed one game. He all was year? the most consistent starter in terms of games played yeah. and it's played all season. So I mean, you know, it, it's obvious where the where it was lacking in the playoffs, but that was uh he, he he they asked him to do a lot this year and I think he obviously came through with flying colors for the most part. Yeah, and I think we've seen it over and over that the playoffs are a process. You know, you have to learn how to win a playoff game, then a series, then you work on contending for a championship. Uh, the Hornets learned some lessons. I think it's amazing that they still managed to adjust knowing all of the injuries that they had to sustain and and knowing what Miami did in those first two games, I think it's amazing that they managed to adjust and, and pull the series out of the tailspin that, that, was, uh, that it was that, in. That was huge, Doug. I mean, down 2-0, that game on Saturday night here, you Could were there. Could have easily been a sweep. Yes. That, that, that's a yes. sweep. That's a sweep in past years. So, or I mean, it's a gentleman's sweep where they win one game. The fact yeah. that they won not only both home games, but the, consecu- the, the following game in Miami – that says a lot about this team, whether anybody likes it or not. Some people don't like it. Well, winning I think <laughs> winning 48 games without MKG. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, look, the third best record. I mean, the third best record, win, lose, or you know, draw, whatever. Uh, that was a goal for the franchise to get home court, to get one of those top four seeds. And they were basically one And they night, were right there. They were one Saturday night in Denver. Ugh. No, one sa- Saturday yeah. night at home against Denver away from that and yeah. that would have changed everything narratives are so funny though because you lose that game like you did that game seven you lose it in a blowout you get run off the court and the the storyline is is so much different unless you've paid attention to the team all year i think they did gain some respect and i think kimba did from a national perspective especially with that game that game six but you're right i mean it, that's the bad thing about this series it didn't look anything like the rest of the regular season as far as the hornets were playing and that's another lesson i think that the hornets learned is that playoff basketball is such a different beast and you have to the one thing that doesn't change though is that you have to be physical and you have to mm. stick to the fundamental things that make your basketball team great, whatever those things may be. Early on, the Hornets got away from those things. And I don't think – we questioned it all year, David. Could the Hornets be physical enough to win playoff basketball? Unfortunately, I think this year the answer was no. I think they have to explore some options in the offseason to get – more physical underneath and and again you, you bring up Dwight Howard or I'm sure there are other options out there on free agents dear free people agency. listening right now say n- no Hassan Whiteside Hassan Whiteside is not coming here he's not just let it go already just let it go I think if history says anything about this team it's that they go that the guys that are successful here are are guys that are even keel and that can uh, stay in line and play with each other and and keep everything close to the to the vest as opposed to guys I mean even mercurial guys well like even Hassan Lance Stevenson who was obviously a little bit out there on the court kept Basket things case. well yeah but he kept things chill he didn't go off the reservation 
you know, in interviews that or off we the court. Know of. Right. Well, off, yeah, that, yeah. Well, off the court. I'm saying to the media. Man, he's still making those moves. He's still, still dancing. <laughs> Did y'all see him? You can't, you can't stop oh Lance from dancing, man. Oh, man. Once a man, once a man dances, he can't stop. Uh, okay, I want to take one more trip down the hustle stat lane. I, I, I love these hustle stats. I hope they keep them and, and uh, we can. Yes, please, NBA.com, help me out with those. Those yes. have been. Godsends. All right, I, I pulled a couple of little nuggets that I like to talk about. First of all, Cody Zeller, and we, you know, we talk about free agency. Oh, we got to go get a rebounder, or, or we have to go get somebody who can be physical. I think that both Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky could fill that role if they you put on weight, add things to their game, get better in the off season. I mean, Cody Zeller, we have not seen Zeller's ceiling yet. He's still a young guy. He's progress. I think it's it's interesting with guys who do make jumps every year we i think we get to this point where we assume that they can't make another one or that they they've done all they can after three or four years but i think cody zeller still has another he has another i I think he has another gear in him i think there is one more step if not two all he's got to do honestly is finish better around the rim and add a quarter to three i don't think he needs Mm. a corner three just yet that was that was supposed to be coming that was the talk of the offseason. Oh, Clifford said it after. He said it in his uh Did he attempt exer- one? Did he attempt one in the regular season? Yeah, he attempted one. He, atten- he, he actually hit one, he too. Made, he, yeah, he made one. He actually made one. It was early in the season. I think you still have to add it. You mm. have to add some kind of, or at least some kind of threat. I'll take consistent jump elbow shot. jumper. I'll take that. But he, he hit it. He hit the, in the playoffs. The, what was so frustrating is that he hit it in the playoffs. playoffs. But the problem was... We were down by he, he didn't command any respect from there. So even though he was hitting them, they were wide open, meaning yeah. that Hassan Whiteside was in the lane. Exactly. The whole point of the jump shot is it. not necessarily to hit the jump shot. It's to hit it consistently in the regular season so that you can pull guys out. And there he were had times, no ability to pull. And there were times he wasn't even taking it in that, the regular that's season. That's my bigger issue with Cody, is that he's got to be he's got to get rid of that little brother mentality. If you're open, if you're that open, shoot the ball, son. Don't make it worse. A, a a miss shot is much better than a turnover. And he's better. open. He's open. Well, he was physical when he set screens, especially in Game Six. We pointed it out on the show. He set some monster screens that uh, opened and got up. some suspect screen calls on, in that game too. By the way, he did get some. I, I you know I enjoyed I, the, they, I enjoyed the back to back moving screens down thirty. Oh, I thought Jesus. that was a nice little. Oh my gosh, we didn't even mention the a, fouls. A nice touch, you, you, just to get out of get out of town. But we're all over the place in this. You could tell this is a much well, less formal show than normal because it's the end of the season. But I want to actually before I get to these hustle stats, I want to talk about the fouls because you brought it up. Miami going to the highest levels. We, we <laughs> they took the elevator all the way to the twenty seventh floor of the NBA league offices. I don't know if it's twenty seven floors, but <laughs> it probably is. And now you're a security reflective <laughs> purple haircut. Oh, man. I've been put out blacklisted from the uh, NBA League offices. Well, given where these complaints were coming from, which is Miami Heat, Mickey Arison, of Dwayne yeah. Wade, and, and that group, it was just Against ridiculous. Jim, but basically, so Against, if, if, so you, didn't, if yeah. you didn't hear about this, they, they complained to the, the – or Mark Stein reported that uh, officials from the Heat went to the highest levels of the NBA League offices to complain about the treatment that Jeremy Lin was getting. Jeremy Lin and Kimball Walker. And Kimball Walker. <laughs> the, the idea that there was somehow a, a preference given to those two guys in whether that it one was, game. Look, whether it was an adjustment by Miami or by the officials, something did change. I mean, because in this game is not the six first and time game seven, they yeah, did not get the calls. And that happens, right? I mean, people complain. It's played out in the media, whether it's in a press conference or whatever. They exactly. go to the highest order. It happens. I just thought it was lame. It is, it is very lame, and I'm glad you brought that up. I almost forgot about that one. But yeah, they did complain, and I wouldn't have been surprised if it was Mickey Harrison, Wade complained, Pat Riley probably got involved in there. They probably even fault, got David, Zoe because you called him Pat. Complaining. He was a very amicable. David saw Pat Riley in Charlotte and called him. We shared a brief moment on the streets of downtown Charlotte. And I said, said hey, hey, Pat, Pat. how's it going? <laughs> What's wrong wait, with you? Wait, 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 hold on. Why you, call, you, call you, you can't call him Pat. Man is it was what, a, a bang bang play. Time, six time it was a bang bang play. What do you call him, Coach? Mr. Riley. Yes, how are you doing, you know, Coach? See, Coach, Mr. Riley. I was uh, going know, between I, those I, two. Here's a great. This is an interesting question because I've always wondered this about Coach Clifford too. I feel like Coach. I think Coach is, is something that a that a player says to. I, I don't know. No, I, it, I don't permanent. know if it's like a I think general. It's permanent. Really? I, I should have said Coach, but I'm like he's not actually. I the feel coach. like that's too familiar. I feel like no, no. no it, honestly, I could say I can say this. 
a lot of the guests that are former coaches, we just call them coach. coach. No so is it bad? Long. Is it bad to say Steve? Well, it depends on mm-hmm. how well you know him. Like if Sam Vincent pops in there, you're going coach. If Sam Vincent pops in there, um, I'm <laughs> going to go the other way before cussing him out. <laughs> <laughs> Would yeah, you, right. How about the honorable uh, Mr. Riley? Yeah, it was bang, bang. I mean, I'll be honest. It was sunny. I wasn't quite sure. I'm so glad you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> I have my head. I just put a headphone in. And you know what he said to me? I'm doing great. Thank you. It wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. He was feeling good. Doug, you made this sound a lot worse than it actually was. Man. I mean, Come I immediately on. texted Doug, of course, as we do. <laughs> I just can't believe you called him Pat. It, hey, was, it was just a reaction. It's the South. We're friendly. P. Dizzle. <laughs> I should have gone with Coach. Mr. Six Rings. But, yeah. Eh, next time, Pat. <laughs> All right, let's go back so to So what these. were we saying? The officials, the yeah, calls, the, 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 the calls officiating, It definitely six. changed. I felt like both uh, Lynn and Kimba struggled to get uh, those same foul calls that they were getting in uh, the games. Three and my and thing is they earned those calls by being aggressive and going to the rim, right? Yes, they did. I mean, so what do you – like, if you can't stop them – from penetrating, okay, that's, that's job your one. That's your fault. They're getting hit. Maybe they got the benefit of the doubt on some of the calls, but you know, Jeremy Lin, we've seen it. He gets hit in the head. He got fouled. Kemba got hit in the head a bunch of times. The the way the the officials called games six and seven specifically were completely different from the. They first weren't five. great. They weren't great. But that's not just exclusive to this series, as we saw last night in San Antonio. So. <laughs> The thing that tipped it, obviously, was the Dwayne Wade call at the end of, of Game 6, the no call, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that's what tipped – I mean, that's what really got him up in arms. So, you can go back and forth on that one, but the, the whole the whole complaint to the highest level, I mean, come on, from, from, the, from, from the heat. It's interesting, though, that it didn't really cause tension between the two teams. Uh, no. Kimba was sending congratulations to Dwayne Wade. So, as much as I think – I think I'm desperate for a rivalry – for the Hornets in the NBA because it always makes these type of situations more fun. But I just I don't think you can call this a rivalry because they don't. There's not much disdain going on. No, I I don't think you can call it a rivalry just yet because we haven't one gotten the hard foul. So one guy that gave a hard foul to a Heat player is playing for the Heat. Then on top of that, <laughs> you got to win something. You got to win it. You got to win this series, and then you can possibly say, hey, this is a rivalry now. So there, there are a couple of factors, but I think it's close. And the best part about this is going into next year, are you going to say that the Hawks are better than either the Hornets or the Heat? Probably not, because there's a lot of questions going forward. The Heat and the Hawk, the, the Hornets and the Heat are going to be competing for that Southeast Division crown. Well, that's the thing that both the Hawks and the Heat are in a position where they have to keep an impact player down low, Horford and Whiteside, and the Hornets will be searching for one, possibly. Yeah. yeah. And the, you don't It'll think there's any way they let Whiteside go at this point? I mean, they No, they do. They you do. think so? I think they're done with them. Really? I think they're done with them. I think they're tired of him it's being not going to end. It didn't. End. It, it was milder in the playoffs, but he was still saying, oh, "No, oh, it wasn't. Oh, no, it wasn't milder. You, milder than him trying to pile drive someone on the court. <laughs> yes, it was milder in the playoffs. I, I so I, far. I mean, that's the thing. They still got to play, right? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, to your they point, Cleveland. They yeah, dude, that's, Cleveland that's a rivalry. Look, look, Charlotte got in his head. Charlotte got in his head. Char- well, that but he Big Al got in his little, head just by just by giving him some moves. I mean, they didn't even do anything. Let's not even think about hack a shack, hack a hack a white side scenario. I mean, that haven't even happened yet. That that hasn't happened, and I want to see how he deals with Toronto tonight, especially that crowd, as loud as they get. And granted, Charlotte got loud for these playoff games, and they I'm got not, and they got a big body they can put on them. Exactly, Valanciunas. I want to see what happens with him in Bismack. I I really do want to see what happens with that. I'm adopting I'm adopting Toronto by the way. I don't know if you guys are adopting an NBA team. I always do it if the Hornets get eliminated. I'm adopting Toronto because of Bismack. Obviously. Oh, I love you, Bismack. That's nice. That's nice. Still love him. That's cute. Even though he he really used that getting released to 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 pound the Hornets a couple of times. I still I still, still tend to mad. think if he had stayed here it would have been a lot of the same thing. 
It would have exactly. been bad. It would have been no, bad. That's, that was my response yeah. on Twitter is, it, like, yes, he would have helped in this playoff series, but the 48 games beforehand, nah. the, the, those would it not have He wouldn't have played. That's the thing. He would have gotten the Tyler Hansborough seat. Yep. There's not much room for him in the in – the, There weren't very many <laughs> – There wasn't very much. shooting offense. Are you adopting a team? Uh, yeah, the Heat, I think. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know me, I always fall back on the Spurs. I enjoy their, ba- their brand of basketball. I, I'm not adopting a team this year only because, you know what, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy having no investment in the playoffs. Exhausting. I'm, just, I'm exhausted. It's exhausting. I'm I exa- am the North. I, I took, a, I took a, a day or two off, to be honest. I tuned in for the last – Part I think of that you have to. Game. I think you have to. Even even the fans out there, the hardcore Hornets fans that listen to this show, I, I think they have to take a, a day to just chill. All right, let's get to these hustle stats. Cody Zeller, we were talking about him earlier. He led the way in screen assist at 3.4. Al Jefferson second on the team with 3.1 screen assist per game. Guard screening seems all the rage in the NBA these days, and the Hornets did not do a ton of it in the playoffs could be something to examine in the future as these hustle stats get applied to the regular season because there was a lot of talk, Nada and David, of getting a little bit of Kimball Walker-Lynn analogous to uh, Steph Steph Curry and Clay, Clay, but Steph and Clay screened for one another, and Mm -hmm. we didn't see that at all from Kimba and Lynn for whatever reason. I I think it's something to look at in the future. Can they get some guard screening? And Steph moves off the ball a lot more than Kimba does, right? I mean, he doesn't even bring it up all the time. He doesn't bring it all up all the time. The one thing I would say is that because it's such a small lineup, such a small guard lineup, you don't want to risk, especially against the Heat, just an elbow to the face and breaking an orbital bone or something like that mm. of a Kemba Walker or a Jeremy Lin. So I wouldn't necessarily criticize them for that. I do get why you would be concerned, but let's say if it's Nick Batum next year in that two-guard role with a screen assist, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that going on because that way you have Nick Batum in those possible curl three-point situations. Mm. He loves those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For all the talk about Frank Kaminsky's bad defense, some of it certainly warranted, he did have the most deflections and most loose balls recovered per game for the Hornets in the playoffs. It was just recovering back and closing out on the wall ding that seemed to give him the most issues. Frank contested 3.3 three-point shots per game. That was second most on the team to Kimball Walker, who chased Goran Dragic and Josh Richardson around all series. So Frank had a lot of work to do defending the three-point line. you mean it wasn't all line. his fault that we didn't make a bad pick? Hey, who do y'all think had a better series? <laughs> Winslow or Push. Frank? Push. Winslow or Frank? Mm-hmm. Push. I mean, Frank won the tip that one time, so I'm going to give it to Frank. Great boy, Doug. I think Winslow was the steadiest of the two, but I Frank, I think Frank put his imprint on an actual win more than Winslow did. Exactly. Right? Here's the thing. i got to give it to Winslow, and I, and I don't want to, obviously, and as I'm, a fan, I hate, but I, I have to give it to him because the playoffs are about, I'll say this over and over, playoffs are about impact players, and Winslow would come in the game and make immediate impacts, whether they be defensive plays, offensive rebounds, putbacks, steals that turned into points. Frank was never... I mean, he did it game, at certain game, points, but... Game, game, game three. three. I mean, you look at game right. seven. He, he took seven attempts, only knocked down two of them. He tried. He attempted yeah. to make the impact, and maybe... He's got an, a season under his belt now. He can come back and do that in year two, but I think you got to give it to Winslow. It's close. It's than pretty you close, think. I think. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say yeah. it wasn't close. I just said it was. I, mean, I think Frank I it to played a lot more minutes, didn't he? I mean, he was starting for. He started for so, four games. Yeah, so yeah, I was just curious about that because I think this is going to go on forever <laughs> until one of them leaves the area or is traded by their team. The other. One of them kills the other, or match. someone finds a DeLorean that goes eighty-eight miles an hour and the, goes back. In the time. thing is, and it's a, we've seen it with MKG. You can already say Winslow is an elite defender. Wait a minute, right? who was the better player in the playoffs, Frank Kaminsky or the four picks by Boston? <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful. That's a <laughs> four. Beautiful. Just four? I think it was seventeen. Actually, seventeen picks by Boston. Exactly. That we, was we owned Boston's entire draft to the year twenty thirty. Last hustle stat here: Courtney Lee led the team in both two point contest and total contest. He had his hands full with D Wade all series, but he put in a ton of defensive work and and saved the series at one point. Yeah, yeah. So you got to totally. give it up to Courtney Lee. One game five. 
All right, let's get to these exit interviews. So the the entire team and Coach Clifford give exit interviews every year after the season. Nick Batum uh, had the big quote, I think, told the Charlotte Observer, we should be playing tomorrow in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and we're pretty mad about that. So this is, and here's the quote here, unfinished business. Boom, boom. And he also said, when I came here, they let me know they wanted me to be one of the top two options with Kemba. I like that. <laughs> I like that. He said that. I didn't say that. He said that. I like that they trusted me. It was a pretty cool year. First time. Pretty it neat. was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty neat stuff. <laughs> 48 wins is always cool. <laughs> First time I got, here's the big quote. First time I got to play like I want to in eight years in the NBA. Oh, ouch. Portland. <laughs> Shots. Yeah, uh, how how y'all doing with Gerald Gerald Henderson right now, Portland? They're pretty good. I mean, they're they're gonna they're still in it. Yeah, that was supposed that to be rhetorical, dog. <laughs> that was supposed to be rhetorical. They're dancing, uh, but let's let's talk about Nick Batum. So that sounds like he wants to be here. He absolutely wants to be here. I don't think it's a question anymore. It confirms a lot of what we thought about in terms of this situation, stuff that we speculated on that this coach in, in Coach Clifford has let him play the way he's wanted to play since he entered the NBA. And that's saying a lot because everything we heard coming into this season is that Nick Batum wanted to play the two. And he was excited about playing with MKG because he could play a, a more natural position for him, something that he's played a lot internationally, which is the two position, the off guard. And he essentially played out of position all year. And he still was able to... Uh, initiate a lot of the offense and create a lot more than he was allowed to in Portland, and he likes that. And look at look what that you mentioned it earlier. Look at that difference you have if you've got a MKG Batum Kemba and yeah. out there, right? Instead of instead of going up against Joe Johnson, Wade, and and Dragic, you got exactly. those three guys instead of Kemba Lee, and uh, and then you'd have Batum. Sometimes I mean, man, that, that's a, that's a big difference. As far as I'm concerned, as much as I've heard from folks within the Hornets and folks that cover the Hornets, I consider Nick Batum already a part of next year's roster. Boom. Lock it in. I think you can lock this one up. I think he comes back. I think he'll get the max. And I'm perfectly fine with it at this point because this has been the best season we've seen in, what, 15 years? Oh, man. Maybe more. I'm prepared to build on this season. I'm not ready to say, oh, we can't afford the guy. Let's give him up and let's go get someone like Kent Bazemore. I like Kent (laughs) Bazemore. He's not Nick Batum. This team was ready to max out Gordon Hayward. And Nick Batum has had similar impact that Gordon Hayward had on the Utah Jazz on this offense. And whatever you want to say about what Nick Batum would do with other offenses, I don't care. Or other teams, I don't care. Because on this team, he makes such a huge difference. In my mind, he makes a max worth of difference. Oh yeah, I mean, we got to get, especially here in Charlotte, you, you kind of got to get over the whole max thing. It's like you got to keep this guy here. You got to pay to play. He, he's job one. Here, here's the thing that I don't think people understand. Also, Golden State has a max contract saved. You don't think if they strike out on necessarily Kevin Durant and or a guy like or they don't fail to retain Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. You really don't think they're going to throw that max at, at a guy like Nick Batum or OKC that might have a max slot also? With Los Angeles, Los Toronto. An- yeah, exactly. A lot of these elite teams have max slots available. They will throw them at Nick Batum. Oh, you just made me super nervous. And, I, and, what, and what gives the Hornets the advantage? Is that it, extra year? You go with what you know. When you've been in the league and when you've been playing professionally, as long as Nick Batum has, he's seen it all. He's seen different situations. He's been in different situations. He's in one that he finally feels comfortable, that he feels like he can play his best ball, and you go with what you know. Yeah, we should. I mean, we should point out, you know, people say this in exit interviews sometimes mean it oh, sometimes you have to take don't stuff plays assault. out so there's a lot there's a long way to go before he's i've better, heard but quotes like that even from a foreign player there are guys it was, that, it was definitively said it wasn't was it? definitively said there was a lot of we there that i don't and he wasn't saying we i'd like another year here no this was <laughs> we have unfinished business that's french doug oh yeah that's like the royal we <laughs> yes <laughs> uh no i know i think you're right 
Uh, I think that it does, this grain of salt, though, I think it does apply to this next guy, Jeremy Lin, who mm-hmm. also had some things to say about the team. He, he said it was a fun group. He learned a lot about defense. And, you know, he said, look, if you're asking me uh, if I want to come back, you know, I, I – he was basically saying similar things to Nick Batum and that he would he would definitely be interested in in playing with this group again. He, he also had this to say. I mean, you bounce around a lot, you know, like I have, and you kind of see a lot of different organizations. And, um, you know, there's definitely things, a lot of really good things I can appreciate about this one that, um, you know, in terms of my experience that maybe I didn't have in other situations. So again, he's bounced around a lot. Probably there is some motivation to get into a situation for several years in a good situation and one, again, that helps you play your best basketball. But money will be an issue, I think, even though he even though he says it's not, it's not what he said. He said it's not the the main motivating factor. Right. I still think it's not necessarily going to be an issue for Jeremy Lin. I think it's going to be an issue for the Hornets because the problem when we talk about free agency coming up and the problem with the Hornets having over or near half their roster being free agents is that you have cap holds. And so you have to – it's not just about – okay, we're going to take all these guys and sign them, and then the rest of these guys we're going to let go, and then we're going to go out and get these guys. It's not that simple. It's it's all timing. It's about I have to sign these, I have to make these guys a priority because they have a cap hold that we need to either get off the books mm-hmm. or bring onto the team. And then these other guys are sitting there waiting. And they another team may come along and, and scoop them up before the Hornets have an opportunity. And so you could see that situation with not only Jeremy Lin, but Al Jefferson and Marvin Williams. Marvin's the other one. Yeah. Marvin's the other one. I think Al I think Al is going to be waiting a long time if he's yeah. gonna be waiting for the phone to ring. I do think he'll be back. I would say this about Jeremy Lin. I think he's put himself in that ten million dollar a year range, especially with that new cap. And I'm not necessarily so sure you can justify the price tag on this. Not when you're gonna have guys like Seth Curry. Not when you're going to have other guys out there like Mario Chalmers, possibly. Now, I'm not saying Mario Chalmers is Jeremy Lin and does what Jeremy Lin does. But for the price tag and for what you want to bring in and retain, because you cannot bring this team back together as presently constituted. I'm sorry it's not going to happen. Courtney Lee is a guy I'd like to see retained. We're not. I'm not sure we're going to be able to see him either. I don't. Well, I don't know if I want to see Courtney Lee retained, or nor do I think he wants to stay because I think Courtney Lee wants to go somewhere and start. I think that's a priority for him, and he doesn't start on this team. MKG's coming back. That's I, I think Courtney Lee, in my mind, I think it was always viewed as a, a, a token Trader yeah, Joe a, rental. A, yeah, sure, a sure. Rental. I think Batum's priority one and Lynn is right behind that. And I, don't I think, think those are your top two. Well, listen, Lynn, Lynn, the Lynn Walker combo was yep. almost as big a part of the offense or changing the offense as Nick as adding Nick Batum. So I, I think the Hornets have to take a long look at at retaining Lynn because it fueled some of the the big changes to this offense, including the improved three point shooting. Not necessarily Lynn shooting, but but the impact that he had when he was on the court. In, in helping to to get more of those three point looks, but I, 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 and I think these guys have talked, right? I mean, this isn't this is not the first time this has come up within that locker room. Nope. And this is something we've never seen here before. Guys possibly taking less to stay in a good situation in Charlotte. That's 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 the one thing I may bank I may see. If Lynn stays for under ten million dollars, then I'm perfectly fine with it. But if not, look. Go get your money. Go get paid for sure. Bring and he's gotten, stuff. and he has gotten paid, but not like he's going to get like paid this, this time around. Like probably this. this is going to be probably his last big contract. But particularly with Al, you mentioned him waiting around, and I think he's willing to wait around to see what be. they can do. Right to see what they can do. I mean, he he mentioned he wants to retire a uh, uh, Charlotte Hornet. He's he's been a huge part of the turnaround, obviously. So, but that's a guy who's obviously going to have to take a little bit off the table for them to bring you know most of these guys back but even to stay in the fold i think because we've talked about it this year for al to be here it's going to be different role a lessened role less money and maybe a situational role like we saw sometimes this year yeah but he's even if it's 
and I think this is the benefit for him because he knows based on on the on the evidence based on what happened in the latter part of that season even though he has to take I won't even call it a lessened role it was just a different role because when he was in the game yeah. off the bench he got his touches he was cooking so and and they counted on him in the playoffs and I think that trust trust is a big thing and I, I think a lot of these players when they get together and they talk about oh what are we going to do in the off season they trust one another and they yeah. also trust the coaching staff. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an offseason like we've never seen. And we also got to start talking about the coaches that that may be back, may not be back. We'll, we'll talk about Ewing in a minute. I want to get to these comments that Clifford had in his exit interview because they're very interesting. And Clifford had a great comment on team chemistry, which we were just starting to talk about. Let's take a listen to that. They like to talk about how much they like each other. That's not a big deal. It's not. It's how you play together on the floor. Look, I'm not going to name teams. Some of the most together teams I've ever been around in this league, guys didn't like each other at all. But on the floor, they played together. Older veteran guys who wanted to win. And um, I'm glad they like each other and all that. But you can have guys that go to dinner, okay, and if they won't pass to each other when they're open, you're not going to be any good. Our guys pass to each other when they're open. That's what I like. Team trusting one another on the court, not about going to dinner. It's very, it's he's, an interesting he's, comment. He's right, though. I mean, you'd rather have Which talent than wins. Which team was he talking <laughs> Which about? Which one is he referring he's to? T- he's definitely talking about the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. He was probably talking about the Orlando Magic. He's been, he's seen some issues. But, I mean, he is right. It's yeah, great right. to have guys that love each other, but if they're the Bobcats and they win seven games, who cares? But, I mean, there is a piece to a group of guys playing well and enjoying being around each other. I mean, that's that that's real, too. It's not the end-all, but it's a factor. But I do think that this team chemistry is something that needs to be maintained because we've seen before. It hasn't been that long ago since this team got hurt, didn't like each other, or one person really didn't get along with everybody else, and this team won 33 games. This thing is a very fragile thing to necessarily mess with. I've heard so many things about this being the best team, best most together team, tight-knit team in the NBA from one Al Jefferson. So I do think that maintaining this chemistry in some form or fashion matters. At this point, it's just who do you keep and who who do you... Well, that's why now, I think Jeremy Lin is a high priority because he was able to play a role off the bench after starting for a majority of his career and he was able to step in and be a starter and impact the game in both situations. And I think that's so rare when you can have a guy who can come in and be an impact player as a starter and then go right back to the bench and he was, continue he was to affect the game. He was super valuable this year, right? I mean, so valuable across the board. Obviously, in the playoffs, was huge in those, in those wins. Let me ask you this. Do you think he's planting the seed for maybe a certain player that other people have said they don't like to come in here <laughs> and maybe take a spot? Yeah. Exactly. If he brings Dwight in, <laughs> if he think, brings in Dwight, listen, guys, you don't have to go to dinner with this guy. In I fact, just I said, I just it. told you, you don't have to like him. <laughs> if he brings in Dwight, let me put it this way: my job will be the easiest job ever. I'm just, people are just going to call in angry and upset, and some people are going to call in and be happy. It'll be the easiest two days of my life. Easy. And I, well, and the other thing is, I think that. The players like the culture, and they like Clifford, and they like Cho, and they like what they've put together here and built. I mean, that says a lot more, I think, than just getting a group of guys. There's your there's your comment Nada, from Twitter, from uh, Lawson here on Twitter. Uh, our question was, do you want the Hornets to go after Dwight Howard? No, no, no. That's that's no. the overwhelming reaction, right? That's the overwhelming I mean, reaction, but everybody's so willing to blame him for something that was... Impact th- players in the playoffs you've got to have guys that can dominate in in one way or another i mean age is a concern injuries are a concern i, I don't but, think he gets yeah. more than a three-year deal though but That's if you can get thing. him on a one-year deal oh my god yeah i don't think you get him on a one-year deal he's not i think because he wants to get that cba nobody is playing with that cba i don't know all right um also lens play with dwight right yes he has so, twice there you go uh, but there are some guys that the Hornets couldn't retain. I don't think you can retain Marvin Williams and get both Dwight and Batum. I think Marvin's got to go. Just the, the contracts Terrence being what they Jones, are. Baby. And he's another guy who said without a doubt that and, he wanted oh, to stay We haven't here. mentioned this thing about free agency. We're going to get into all this again in our free agency primer, but a lot of this hinges on how much money MJ wants to spend. That, yeah. Because there's a lot of bird rights and things that allow him to go over the cap. 
So does now that he has a taste of playoff success, I think the next step is you gotta you gotta pay to play. You gotta put up I or think, shut up. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think because of the new TV money that's coming into the league, and with all that, that's probably covering a good amount of costs. Along with the fact that those Jordans are really, 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 really selling right now. Dude, we're about to see a run on Hornets colors. Yes, we are about to see a run on Hornets colors. I think I think he's going to be willing. Remember, he's always said, if I can get a top four team, I have no issue paying the luxury tax. Which he had. Exactly. Technically. Technically, you had a top four team. I think he's going to be fine with that, especially considering that the All-Star game may or may not be here. And we're not going to get into details of that. Hmm. I'm going to save I'm going to save this other Clifford bite from this exit interview for the season recap next week because it's it, I don't we're running out of time and it deserves its own I'll, I'll tease it. A lot of people have questioned, especially in the playoffs, why not put in this guy? Why not why not play this guy for 15 oh, minutes? Man. And Clifford had a great response. If you've ever questioned uh, why certain things don't happen with rosters and why not put Jeremy Lamb in there for 10 minutes, give him a shot in this game, he had a great response. We'll play that next Tuesday. Uh, and Cody Zeller, maybe I'll save the Cody Zeller stuff too because he had some interesting comments about what he wants to improve on and how he sees his game progressing. We touched on it a little bit. Uh, real quick, guys, Ewing, Patrick Ewing, assistant coach, assistant or associate, is he associate, associate head coach? Head associate coach. head coach. Yeah. Right. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets getting an interview with the Sacramento Kings. I- I'm happy for him in, in a certain uh, way, but I'm also a little worried about him. Uh, I, don't want to him, I don't want him to get that job. <laughs> like, I mean, I want him to get a job. I think that place is a disaster. Uh, I mean, they're trying it, to turn around. Think who, about all the open who else, coaching spots. Who else have they interviewed? It'd be interviewed? weird because Vladi would be his boss. Who else too? have they talked to? They talked to... Blatt? They talked to Blatt, yeah. They talked to Blatt. They talked they're, to... They're going to talk Mark to... Mark Jackson? No, yeah. no, Mark Jackson. No. Let me put it this way. I can guarantee you this. Mark Jackson is never getting another head coaching shot in his... Oh, he's in every interview. That's a shame because I really want him off television. (laughs) (laughs) I say that every time. I say, look, give this man a job. Can you get Reggie on the bench? Can you get him as an assistant? No, exactly. Of everybody (laughs) that needs to get off television, Mark Jackson is literally not my biggest concern. Reggie Miller, it starts with Reggie Miller, and then after that, we keep on moving down. Man. So about Jalen Rose. I don't like that guy either. No, Jalen Rose. No, here's the funny thing. Jalen Rose used to be good, and then Chauncey Billups stole all his shine. I love Chauncey Billups on that studio show. All right, uh, a couple minutes left in this series. It's been fun, guys. I've really we enjoyed fast, it. Right? We were going to do a we short didn't get, one. Well, we were just going to do a and short And I didn't one. want to bring a, a, a guest in on the line because I just wanted us to just sit here and relax and have a good time. And I, it I was appreciate time for it's been it's been very yeah it's been very cathartic. Yeah, woosah, dog, woosah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for one last thing. Michael Deason, otherwise known as Purple Shirt Guy, otherwise known as Enabled Courtside Super Douche. Has told the Charlotte. This is the last. This is the second to last show. I'm just letting it all out. Has told the Charlotte Observer, NPR, Dan Lebitard, Charlie Rose, Telemundo, CBN, Murphy Brown, <laughs> essentially anyone that would call and talk to him that he is not renewing his season tickets due to cost and his one and a half hour drive from Greensboro, which I can only assume was used to craft some super neat basketball burns. David Nada, look, I. Good riddance. I just, I just don't know what fans will do without him in the arena. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess they'll just watch the greatest basketball players in the world play the game at its highest level. Damn. Look. Hey, who did he touch and get a red Durant. card? Durant. Right? It was like LeBron was Durant. or Durant or somebody, You know what right? he touched? My nerve. Every time he and, stood and, up on the sidelines. Yeah, here's the thing, and, and you were right because the Hornets enabled this dude, especially in Game Three. I mean, that was my biggest issue is that they kept enabling him. I'll say that he 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 has been there for as long as I can remember when they were back on the Bobcats to the Hornets. You know, it's just a shame you got to get up there. I mean, when you got when when you got two national games a year, which basically turned out to be the playoff games. And it takes, what, a quarter for guys to go in and for the camera to find them and for people to start commenting on it. It's like, just just chill out. Here's here's the thing. 
I've heard that it wasn't that he didn't renew. I've heard that he was a security hey. risk. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> that guys, happens when you when you cross that imaginary line and start touching people. Yeah. Hey, you guys hear about this one? Hey. Listen, I know. So does this mean no courtside swarm seats is what you're saying? What I'm yeah, for you guys no. No. Y'all don't need them. I would stand up. I you know, one time I coached a 5 and 6 year old basketball league and I was um I was assistant coach and I stood up and I was warned by the officials. Only head coach. I was like, this is a five and six. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> hey, look. No wonder you got kicked out, Doug. I was a mo- We won the championship, though. That's all that matters. Yes, Nada. And, of course, the kids. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, Vince Lombardi. The only thing that you that mattered was a five and six-year-old champion. Championships. All right, that'll do it for us Hornets fans. Thanks again to Nada Edwards for- to your mommies. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> I better get suicides out of all of y'all. <laughs> they were. Mike we Rice taught them an inbounds the... play. I'm not even kidding. We taught them an inbounds play. <laughs> this is even worse. <laughs> we're back to wrap up season three next Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live uh, for live game updates next season and live free agency updates and draft updates, of course, uh, during this off season. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing, enjoy the offseason, watch some baseball, go to the Knights game, all hail the teal and purple. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17